Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. Okay, guys, we're on week eight and we're on session four we're talking about the different seizure disorders that exist remember we've looked at the generalized seizures and the absent seizures there are also seizures that are called partial seizures all right these divided into two categories so if there are simple partial seizures you'll see the person actually is not losing consciousness they actually stay alert um, during their seizure and oftentimes these are motor seizures um, where muscle activity is just going to change. Um, sometimes like an arm will just fly up and go. Um, but they can also be sensory seizures. And um, this will be any one of the senses. And so suddenly they're seeing something that, you know, like red spots. Um, they may see that or they may just feel um, something crawling on them. Then that's actually not um, happening. Um, so note these are oftentimes autonomic seizures and this is different parts of the nervous system that control these bodily functions. They are completely not under the control of this person. Um, and so suddenly these things will happen like a leg jackknives or something. Um, note sometimes they can be psychic. They change how you think about something, how you feel or how you experience things. And those are a little freaky, um, for the person because suddenly they just don't know why they're feeling the way that they're feeling. Um, other types of seizures that are partial seizures can be called complex partial seizures. So those above are simple. This one is the complex. Um, with these, we do usually lose consciousness. Um, and the ones above, we don't. Um, note, we also may lose memory. So even like not just the time that we were out with the seizure, but for a little bit of time before that. Um, but again, they may just look like they're in a daze to the people looking at them and can't even tell. All right. Now, again, if you're, you know, doing a, depends on the movement, like your head might bob down and bob back up. Obviously that makes it look like you're sleepy. Um, but if you do a jackknife and you fall down, um, obviously we'll figure out that there's something wrong there. And again, most people are pretty consistent with what they have. All right, so if you have seizure disorders, sometimes there are other conditions that tie to this. 75% um, of the epilepsy is usually a term we're seeing for those generalized seizures or those um, tonic-clonic seizures. Um, most of them have normal intelligence and some might even be gifted. But remember, about 25% would be in the, the below normal range. Um, great risk, risk, sorry, risk for learning disabilities. Again, those attention problems, those memory problems, things like that. Um, and we tend to see a higher prevalence of having some of the emotional behavioral disorders that tend to tie with some of our characteristics as well. One of the things we want to go over is what do you do when you see someone having a tonic-clonic seizure? Because um, a lot of folks just stand there and they're in shock and they don't know what to do. You're not always expecting these seizures. You're 
um, you know, if you know somebody is, is um, has a seizure disorder, you can kind of review, okay, should something happen, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, but you don't always know this. And I will just tell you, my, my child had a febrile seizure. It wasn't a tonic-clonic seizure. It was just one for high fever when he was a baby. I didn't handle that well at all, uh, mainly because it was my child. Um, and I just was so upset um, that I really did everything wrong. So don't panic would be like number one because I sort of panicked and, and didn't handle that well. Now, when other people have tonic-clonic seizure, I do just fine. I've had students do this in class, and I, I don't have any problem. I, I can handle that great. Something about your own kid little bit harder but just kind of review the principles all right so here's number one stay calm do not lose it um i did this with mine we were on the road and my child was about ooh 16 months old and he had an ear infection and um he had again high fever it wasn't really a tonic clonic um mom was in the car with me and she was telling me he's blue and i got out and he kind of went white and i thought he died and i lost it so we're on this big interstate right and um instead of doing the right things i just like took him out in the middle of the road and stood there thinking well they won't stop for car problems so they'll stop for a baby uh, which is really stupid after i thought it through um and i did get help but you know when they started cpr i was thinking in very slow motion i know how to do that and i just didn't do it so think things through um stay calm if you're around other people that helps others stay calm and you know as long as you can kind of be everybody do this then they'll do what you tell them to do all right so if you are somewhere like a room with furniture classroom setting kind of thing you do want to move that away uh, what you want to do is make a spot where you can put this person down on the ground and let them go through this seizure um, so that they're not going to hit their head on, you know, a desk or if you're in a home, like, a, a, you know, a sofa or something like that. So make a space, put them on the floor, um, loosen anything around their neck um, if there's something tight. Now, you don't see it as much as you used to. People aren't wearing really tight things around their neck so much anymore, but um, a tie if they were in a tie, you would want that to be loosened up and unbuttoned. Um, the top button of a shirt that would be buttoned. Um, scarf, sometimes people wear those kind of tight. So make sure there's nothing really tight around the neck because remember, it's going to be moving back and forth and we want them to continue to breathe. All right. You don't always have a pillow, obviously, but if you're at home and you have a pillow, put a pillow under their head. You're going to turn them on their side. Uh, I think that's coming up, but don't put them on their back um, or their front because they'll bang their head and that's not good. But but the being on the back um, can also have problems with the tongue going back and going down the throat or if they throw up then it's caught in the throat. So you go sideways for, for those kinds of things. Um, if you don't have a pillow, improvise. Um, the time that I've had people in class, you know, we've dug up jackets to put under their head. Uh, you could empty out a backpack. You, you're really just trying to keep that head from hitting a hard um, floor um, that might have concrete underneath it or, or hardwood. Um, it wouldn't be as bad if it was a nice soft carpet um, or if you were maybe like on grass. You know, mine was on the side of the road so i didn't use the grass but just something to protect the head um put them on their side um if you put them on their front and they're banging their head down they're gonna hurt their face if you put them on the back they're gonna hurt the back of their head um possibly again having issues with things in the throat like the tongue or, or if they're throwing up and so the side is the best way it helps the, the tongue kind of release um keeps their head protected um usually that's what we want to do now um, you don't want to restrain them you don't want to try to hold them and keep them from seizure and you want to let them continue the seizure um, to the end 
You also don't want to put anything in their mouth. Um, there are folks who think that's real smart and they're trying to catch the tongue and pull the tongue forward. Um, they might bite your finger off, so do not do that. If you put a spoon or something in there, they could bite that. So if you're very trained um, professional in the medical field, um, then you can use one of those tongue dispensers that are padded that they have and they've been trained to use. Otherwise, let it go. Don't do anything like that. All right, as we mentioned, first seizure, if you've never known this person to seizure before or you, or you just don't know, um, you want to call 911, get an ambulance. If it lasts longer than five minutes, all right, because usually it's about one to two. Um, so if it's going longer than that, something's really not right, and you want to go ahead and call and get help for that. And again, if they repeat, like if they have a seizure, um, this happened to one girl in my class, and she seizured, and we, as far as we knew, it was the first one, we'd already called 911. Um, but what, she went into recovery, and then a minute later, she started having another seizure. So that's not a good sign either. Um, hers actually tied back to stress, um, they said, um, and I don't know that she ever had another one. Um, you want to, you know, kind of calm them down afterwards. It's, it's going to be upsetting. Um, frequently, they're confused and don't really know what happened. They're embarrassed a lot of the time. So you want to make sure that you do give them a good bit of reassurance about, you know, everything's just fine. Don't worry. Um, let them rest. I mean, if they've got a close friend who might want to sit with them, then, then you know, they're there. You could do that. But don't let everybody crowd around. Everybody's going to crowd around and want to see, and that's not cool. Um, make everybody get back. Um, and give them room. All right, so we're going to move next to looking at other health impairments. So we've looked at a lot of the different physical disabilities that might occur. Other health impairment is also referred to as OHI, and this is a child with a chronic illness of some, some kind, but we're generally talking about a child who, because of their illness, has limited strength or limited vitality or limited alertness. So this just means they can't sit and work for as long as your typical child can. They just, just exhaust them. Um, note there may be a heightened alertness to environmental stimuli. So they're you know really attuned to sounds and you know vision things and so that keeps them from being so focused in, in the schoolwork. Alright so those are the those are the types of things. Now note what we also see there's a couple parts to this from the federal federal definition. Um, it's generally due to a health issue that's chronic. Sometimes it's acute, um, which means it just hit in and it's, they're in the throes of it right now and it's going to get better. Um, asthma can be one. Now, a lot of kids with asthma don't really need an OHI ruling, but this one would be very, very sick. You can get a, a, a ruling for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, and there are some children who do get a ruling for this. Um, not all will qualify. It's not going to limit them enough, um, but they would have that attention problem. All right, note, look, diabetes, this would be like a, you know, a, a more juvenile form of that, type 1, um, some sort of seizure disorder, epilepsy, heart issues that really are going to cause them to need to be in and out of the hospital a good bit. Um, hemophilia would be a, a big one. This is a person who doesn't clot well and they bleed very, very easily. Um, they've been exposed to lead and had poisoning. They're going to have some difficulties for a while. Um, leukemia is a form of cancer where they're going to need a good many trips to the hospital for treatments. Um, nephritis is a kidney disorder. Now, that may not be a long-lasting thing. Nephritis, you can actually kind of beat. Um, leukemia, you may be able to beat um, for a period of time, you know, struggle with it three or four years and then be okay. Um, rheumatic fever 
is going to a lot of times affect the heart after you've had this kind of fever and they may have a lot of heart problems from then on. Um, sickle cell anemia, as we mentioned, the, the, the actual cells are shaped more um, like a C-shape and the old sickles that they used to use to cut grass. That's what it's named for. And they do just fine um, in the arteries and the veins, but in the capillaries, they don't move well and they tend to catch and um, the child can be in a lot of pain, like like you would feel if you, you know, cut off your blood supply to your hand. Um, and it, it's particularly painful um, in the organs and the feet and the hands where we have blood turnaround um, can be tough. And then Tourette's would, would go here as well. Um, note the next part, though, which we always see in our definitions is that it has to adversely affect the child's educational performance. So if they can make good grades uh, and do well in school without getting the diagnosis, we are not going to give it to them. This is really to protect them um, from failing for the year due to the number of days that they have to miss.